Hi, I'm Britton LaRue, and this is Moon to Moon. Moon to Moon is a space to consider, celebrate, and share the ways we come home to ourselves, anchor through change, and uncover our power. One month, one phase, one loving step at a time. Welcome to Moon to Moon. It's Britain, and I'm recording this on the first day of Scorpio. Scorpio is a very special sign to me. I didn't used to know about astrology or the tarot or the fact that I'm here to be a witch. (laughs) Not until five years ago, but Scorpio was always a big deal to me. My very first love was a Scorpio. He was my high school boyfriend and I was so seduced by him. I was so in love with him. I was obsessed with him and I was also betrayed by him. So that relationship really marked my life. And then in college, my best friend is and was a Scorpio. Um, And I was very attracted to her. She is, like many Scorpios, uh, extremely intelligent, very skilled at landing the precise word to name the zingy thing that's in the room. And I just always have thrown my head back laughing at everything she says. (laughs) And then I married a Scorpio. I married a Scorpio, y'all. And I also divorced the Scorpio. Um, Same person. I loved and do continue to always love my ex-husband for similar qualities keen, shrewd intelligence, the ability to rehash like nobody can rehash because there's this keen sight to see everything that just happened in the room. And I just love going over it again and like getting the insights of a Scorpio because they see everything. And then my firstborn child is a Scorpio. My firstborn baby was born at the very end of the season at an exact new moon. So she's also a moon in Scorpio and she had Jupiter conjunct the new moon exactly. And she also has Mars and Mercury in Scorpio. And, uh, I learned so much about the Scorpio invitation from being her mother. And she has all those planets in the eighth house too, which is a really um, unusual assignment as a human. And I feel 
really profoundly grateful that for me it feels like she chose me before coming into this life to be the one to shepherd her through her experience but the truth is she teaches me and um yeah love my Scorpio firstborn baby so Scorpio the essence like the vibe of it was always compelling to me and then once I started to learn about astrology and really feel into the essence of each sign as it lives in myself as it lives in me and around me and through me and in my relationships I understand more and more how drawn I am to it the modern ruler of Scorpio is Pluto and I have Pluto um, in my seventh house of interpersonal contracts and many of my best friends are Libras who were born with Pluto on their sun, some of them exactly. So in addition to my Scorpio loves, I also have um, Pluto sun loves, um, many, many, many <laughs> in my life. It's like an unusual number of Libras with sun conjunct Pluto that I've been close to. You could say I've been very drawn towards the Plutonic and the Scorpionic, especially vis-a-vis my relationships. And as astrology began to infuse my life, um, that coincided all at the same time with my interest in the tarot, with my lunar practices, with my... um, identification as an intuitive, as a mystic, as a witch, as a magician, as a hierophant life card, um, here to speak sacred words um, from my own embodied wisdom and see if they help other people and continue to heal the way institutionalized learning um, has conditioned me after 20 years of academia. And so as I've grown my practice, what I've learned is that the one-on-one spaces that I hold are all very Plutonic, very eighth house, which is the house and the chart that we associate with the themes of Scorpio and Pluto, and very Scorpionic. And I have a lot of wonderful Scorpio-dominant individuals in my ecosystem My classes also tend to be quite um, plutonic. They are underworld spaces. They're spaces for transformation. People come into my spaces fully understanding that they will not be the same person on the other side of the container. Even just clicking the button to pay initiates all of it. Even if like the lessons are never completed, the audios were never all downloaded. The worksheets were never all downloaded. That doesn't matter as much as the decision to join my spaces. It's taken me a while to recognize that this is so much of my work. But in the last year or so, I've really connected with 
transformation, emergence being what I do. And as I've gotten more clear about it, I've been able to speak about it with more clarity as well. Moon to Moon, this podcast that you're listening to, is very much what you can think of as a cave space transmission. I started conceiving of this word cave space very early in my healing five years ago around when I found astrology and the moon and ritual practices I would say I got to go in my cave space or like, oh, I'm just craving my cave space or I can't go out. I just want to be in my cave space. This is what I was like saying to myself. And what I meant by that is some kind of combination of hermit, like this idea of retreating into the self, of coming home into the self and lighting from within, really like submitting yourself to a spiritual self-inquiry process in quiet, in the dark, mostly alone. And I also think of Cape Space as very much death card, tower, art or temperance, depending on the deck that you're using, devil, Um, and certainly in many ways we could say this process is initiated by the justice card, which I will get back to in a second. So from moon to moon, then I like to broadcast conversations with individuals who speak to me like cave space to cave space, my moon to your moon lighting up each other's moons, each other's hearts by sharing ourselves. And the guest that I'm interviewing today, the interview you're about to hear um, today, found Moon to Moon um, a couple of years ago and then reached out to work with me one-on-one and we're still quite close. And... I was so excited when she said yes to come on to Moon to Moon to share herself from her cave space to mine and letting you listen in on it, letting you be moved by storytelling. And one of the big themes that comes through in our conversation is the power of the framework of vulture magic which I developed spring of 2021 in Taurus season. So ultimately I decided to title this episode Vulture Magic with singer-songwriter Chelsea Wolfe in honor of Chelsea's uh, resonance with vulture magic. And in many ways, vulture magic is the Taurus-Scorpio axis for me. Um, Scorpio is the polar sign of Taurus. And so they create an axis in the chart, the axis in the sky. They're opposing signs. When there's a full moon in Taurus season, it's a full moon in Scorpio. When there's a full moon in Scorpio season, it's a full moon in Taurus. And 
It's the relationship between the Taurus archetype ruled by Venus and the Scorpio archetype ruled by Mars that, to me, supports us and helps us with vulture magic, which is just a very sexy way of saying (laughs) the life-death-life process, which I talk so much about here. It is transformation. Let me share with you Chelsea's bio. Chelsea Wolfe is a singer-songwriter from Northern California who has spent the last 13 years touring the world with her eponymous band and releasing albums that range from the intimacy of acoustic folk all the way to sledge metal. Wolfe's music has been featured in film and TV episodes and trailers such as Game of Thrones and American Horror Story. And in 2021, she composed her first movie score in collaboration with Tyler Bates for the A24 film X. Her approach to recording can be experimental, yet her works are tied together in rich textures and the haunting melodies of her unique voice and writing style, inspired by the depths of the realm of sleep and dreams and digging into the heaviness of this world to find its strange beauty. Thank you, Chelsea. I love your bio so much. I really feel so much of your chart speaking through it. So Chelsea and I talk about her chart in the conversation. Chelsea is a Capricorn rising, which means that her chart ruler, we say in astrology, is Saturn. And she has Saturn in Scorpio with her son. Chelsea is another Scorpio that I adore in my life. Chelsea also has a Pisces moon, which speaks to my Pisces stellium. And um, it's interesting. I'll share this. Chelsea, I've never told you this. When you first reached out, it took me a little while to realize um, who you were in the public sphere. Uh, Just kind of like naively um, wasn't processing. (laughs) And I heard this voice inside of me that was like, don't even look. Don't look any more than just being on your Instagram. Um... Like that, that's enough. Like just, you don't need to know anymore. Just, I wanted to, I feel now what it was is I was like wanting to protect you from me knowing a lot about you as uh, projected from the public field, right? As projected from your career persona, as projected through the power of your music. And uh, it was only this weekend that Spotify gave me one of your songs. <laughs> and I was like, I love this. <laughs> so I'm now officially a Chelsea Wolf fan. After two years, um, I've been sucked in. <laughs> Chelsea, you're so talented. Uh, I'm very moved and um, I'm trusting that the universe believed it was time for me to receive your gifts um, through your creative 
um, offerings to roll back my way and I am like soaking in the waves and loving it so much. Chelsea, thank you. Listeners, I will have links to um, Chelsea's work in the show notes if you're not already a huge fan. So Chelsea and I really just dive on into vulture magic. So before I um, get you to the conversation, I wanted to share some things about vulture magic to just like, you know, um, get the, get the vibes going, like get set the scene up and give you some background. So the background on vulture magic is that in Taurus season of 2021, I kept pulling the justice card from the Brady tarot. If you're not familiar with this deck, it's a really, really, really potent deck. Um, like instantly when it landed into my hands, I just like, just got so much wisdom from it. It's not only the incredible art, which is these, um, I believe, I believe they're woodcuts from Emmy Brady, but also the guidebook is written by Tarot Maven, Rachel Pollock, and the, the, the writings are incredible. And all the imagery shows North American wildlife. There's no humans in this deck. And I, I really always find those kinds of decks super potent, it kind of just like takes that human bodied element out of it. And so what we're looking at in the justice card um, is a vulture which, with its wings spread wide with an arrow horizontally through the mouth and in the scales of the, the justice card, which we see regularly in justice cards because it's um, the card associated with the sign of Libra and Libra we associate with the scales. In the scales on one side, we see a skull and on the other side, we see an egg. And so this card was pulling up in the midst of a breakdown of my romantic relationship, a long-term romantic relationship that I'd had long distance um, for a few years. And it was very strange that it was coming up because I wasn't looking at it and thinking that it could mean anything about my breakup. Um, I wasn't really receiving any messages on how to read it until we broke up. And then sitting in my grief and my despair and my shock, I began to look at it differently. And Rachel's words really helped me in the guidebook. Rachel Pollock writes, In one of the deck's most powerful images, we see a turkey vulture with outstretched wings. Its beak holds an arrow. The arrow, symbol of the mental suit of air, with its power and authority, replaces the sword of the traditional justice. Here the weapon becomes secondary to the scales. They hold the egg and skull of a turkey vulture, that is, life and death, past and future. In many modern tarot decks, justice falls exactly in the middle of the major arcana, with ten before it and ten after, seeing the fool as the traveler. The second half of the deck is more challenging, including death, the devil, and the tower. We need to balance our experiments, experiences before we can face these intense cards. 
That is, we cannot understand how to move forward in life. We cannot make truly free choices until we know what brought us to who we are. Emmy calls vultures the gatekeepers between life and death. Emmy is the artist. For they create, they meaning vultures, new life from dead bodies through feeding and then laying their eggs. And further, they have an almost alchemical power to cleanse dead bodies by eating the diseased flesh, including those infected with botulism or plague. In fact, their waste is not just sterile, but sterilizing. You could literally rub your hands in vulture feces and they would come out cleaner than they were before. And so then I'm like, oh my gosh. Yes. I'm being invited to eat the decaying corpse of my relationship. And in the feasting and the letting the juices of this dying carcass drip down my chin and breasts, so I impregnate myself with new life and carry on. And it was like, it's called vulture magic. <laughs> and the universe waved. <laughs> um, I, was, I shared this like the day that I read that on Moon to Moon. Um, I can link to the old episodes because it's pretty cute to go back to the, like re- revelatory moments in your in your career or as a listener where you like connected with something that resonated and then like then you get used to it and it feels like it's always been there like for some people vulture magic like now it's like hard to imagine it not existing <laughs> but it's like no there was this really cute moment in time where the tarot supported me. There are two other quotes to share that really supported me with this. And one, um, these are quotes that I already had put in my Scorpio workbook. So in the section on the death card, I had shared this quote from Dr. Pinkola Estes's Women Who Run With the Wolves. I'm moving to the light because I can't see. I'm right, speaking in the dark. It is good to make a meditative and daily practice of untangling the life, death, life, nature over and over. When we are untangling this nature, it would be good for us to sink something like this. What must I give more death to today in order to generate more life? What do I know should die but I'm hesitant to allow to do so. What must die in me in order for me to love? What not beauty do I fear? Of what use is the not beautiful to me today? What should die today? What should live? What life am I afraid to give birth to? If not now, when? So that's some vulture magic inspiration from the great Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. And then I had, when I created my full moon and Taurus for Scorpio season ritual for my Scorpio workbook, I included this poem, Love After Love by Derek Walcott as the inspiration. The time will come when with elation, 
You will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit. Feast on your life. You know who read that for me? I'll tell you who. Oprah Winfrey, who I saw live in Maui (laughs) at a free talk. Isn't that incredible? And within a few months, I was separating from my ex-husband. Um, love after love. That to me is just so Taurus Scorpio. So here we are, Vulture Magic season, the eclipses approach. As you listen to this, you may be coming in to hear this before the new moon eclipse, between the new moon and full moon eclipses, or even after Beyond the eclipses, we still have more Taurus Scorpio eclipses to come in 2023. But this year has really been dominated by these themes. And many people have been discovering this year power in um, trusting in Their boundaries, which to me in many ways speaks to Mars. Mars that rules Scorpio and helps us cut out, separate out what is no longer good for us, what is no longer nourishing, what is dying, what is rotting in our life. I.e. accepting death to live, to love. And feeling supported by Venus, who nourishes us and cares for us and helps us feel into the embodied, pleasured, sensual experience to come back home to ourselves and care after separation, returning back home to the body. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Chelsea, for bringing up Vulture Magic across this conversation and reminding me how potent it is and how fresh it feels here at the eve of Scorpio. I guess it's not the eve yesterday, it was the eve, but the the initiation of Scorpio. I'm so excited to be supporting folks um, who are joining my container cave space, which is across Scorpio season which is basically a Vulture Magic container. It's a transformation container. It's a container for those who are drawn to receiving support for their underworld journeys, for their grief, for separations, for rest, for knowing themselves um, in hidden places, for ancestor work, and for feeling supported by autumn's medicine 
the medicine of shedding. I will talk more about cave space on the other side of the conversation. For now, I give you my conversation with the wondrous, the beautiful, the profoundly wise Chelsea Wolfe. Chelsea, thank you for coming on Moon to Moon with me. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I was reflecting on how long we've known each other and we're coming, like we just have known each other now for two years. Um, Yeah. It was fall of 2020, I believe, that you reached out for a reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had heard you on magic monday podcast and yeah. it was one of those times where it was like i just really resonate with this person and like you know found out that you had your own podcast started listening and i had never gotten any sort of chart rating before so yeah i reached out in um september of 2020 was it mm-hmm. and yeah yeah i love magic monday yeah it was, <laughs> it was great so had you been drawn to astrology for a while was it a part of your life more so I've always been drawn to tarot um, and I think I kind of got into astrology um, through that and also when I started living more by the moon um, I'm not sure if this was before or after that reading I think yeah I think it was the beginning of 2020 was when I I read Sarah Faith Godestiner's book, The Moon Book, and I started living by moon cycles, um, which involves tuning into which sign the new moon is, of course, at the beginning of each cycle. Um, And other, you know, before that, obviously, like I paid attention to the basics of astrology, but this was like the first time really starting to tune into the feel of each sign and letting that sort of guide my intentions for that, that moon cycle. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And had you known about your chart? Um, I'm trying to remember when you reached out, did you know you were like, when I first found my chart, I didn't realize I was more than my sun sign. Oh yeah. I had, I think I had kind of looked it up online before. So I knew that I was a Capricorn rising and a Pisces moon um, and had done a little bit of research, but that was pretty much the extent. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that having a reading was supportive to you since we still keep in touch. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Um, and again, I like that you did chart reading, but also a tarot reading, um, mm-hmm. which kind of brought it back around to like where I felt um, more at home, I guess, with, with tarot readings, but also the astrology brought it to a new level. And yeah, I just continued to listen to your podcast and always loved the messages there. And then eventually um, around Pisces season, maybe was it this year or last year, I'm really bad with 
what year things were. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know why. But um, yeah, you you had asked about doing like a an Instagram post asking me about like feeling into Pisces and my Pisces moon, which was really fun. Yeah. And then you sh- you shared your Neptune teaching. What, what was it called, Neptune? Oh yes. Um, um, what did we call that? Did we call it Neptune vibes? I don't think I did. I think that was a different year. But I know yeah. what you're talking about. It was yeah. a Pisces season, like Neptune workshop, 2021 yeah. is what it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was just so wonderful. And you shared this um, sulky story at the end, and you we're just like letting yourself be emotional and vulnerable and crying in the recording. And I, I was like crying along with you. I just felt this like new connection to Pisces and really like started understanding it in a new way. And um, yeah, so I just felt like even more connected to like the way that you teach and the way that you present um, astrology. And yeah, from there, I guess. Um, is it okay if I keep talking about? Oh yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> let me know. Let me know if I'm rambling ever because I tend to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah um, I really love the the spreads that you shared. I think Vulture Magic came first and had a really powerful experience with that teaching and that spread. Um, doing that by myself, it brought up some really interesting. So it was one of those spreads where, like, I was very certain what the vulture magic was going to be like what needed to be you know eaten up and composted and then it was something completely different which was amazing and totally needed <laughs> and then almost exactly a year later i did the emergent no spread um that was may of this year and that was just really really powerful and i kind of feel like the start to a lot of um big changes that i've been making in my life this year and Soon after that, I had a dream, actually, that I was in a workshop with you, like sitting around a table with a notebook with a bunch of people. (laughs) And um, obviously, since I don't live near you and all that, I knew that that wasn't going to be like the exact case, but it kind of just got this feeling in in me like I want to either take a course with her or work with her. And then I saw that you were offering the transformation container. So I started doing that with you in July, and it's been really wonderful so far. Mm. it's been my pleasure to know you and witness you so I'm so glad that we were connected thank you magic Monday (laughs) (laughs) I love feeling into the magical ways people find those with whom they have resonance with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah thank you so I don't think I've ever um, heard you speak about how tarot came into your life. Um, how old were you? Do you remember? I was in my early 20s um, and I was really into Art Nouveau and I'd gotten like an Art Nouveau tattoo and mm. that tattoo artist friend gifted me a deck of Art Nouveau tarot cards. And at first I was just like, you know, into the artwork of it. But pretty soon after, I was just drawn to start pulling cards. And um, yeah, I just found that it was like, I'm, I'm a really intuitive, instinctual kind of person. So I just found that it was really easy for me to connect with them and their messages and the symbology and just kind of like apply it to my life and what I was seeking in that moment. Were there certain cards that you were drawn to from the beginning that have been like your 
close friends through the years? Yeah, I mean, I've always loved the hermit card. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Obviously, like the classic image of, you know, the hermit with the lantern or the, uh, whatever you call it, I guess the lantern is, is just wonderful. But I'm just a total introvert. Um, I've kind of always been happiest on my own and going inward and you know as, a, as a, a writer and a songwriter that's kind of my happy place and I kind of feel like pulling the hermit card is sort of like a permission like it's okay during this time to like go inward and, and stay in and do all of like all the witchy shit and all the inward you know searching that, uh, that you want to do so yeah the, the hermit card just always kind of feels like a, a bit of a sigh of relief when I pull it Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting thinking about the visibility aspects and the stage, like the being on stage aspects about mm. part of what other parts of what you are and do. That's true. Yeah. I mean, another card that I really love to pull is the star. And mm-hmm. I think part of that is because of the whole like one foot in the water, one foot on the ground, like Scorpio sun, Cap, you know, Capricorn rising kind of mm-hmm. feels, but it also just kind of feels like I can sort of have faith in myself that I can pull myself out of the, the hermit zone and, and put myself out there more and, and like shine a little bit. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah I'm almost seeing this image of like, like you become the lantern mm-hmm. when it's That's time beautiful. Like you, when it's time to be the lantern and then you go back into like the hermit's cloak or something like this after shining. Uh, Love that. That's that's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like this, like it's in the lantern that you get to share all the things that light you up that you discover in your hermit's cave. Yeah, that definitely resonates. That's that's some good imagery for sure. Do you in, include the tarot in your creative process? I do, yeah. Not always, but often before like a creative session, especially in more recent years, like I, I approach songwriting sessions more intentional and like ritualistic like setting the space and burning certain herbs and candles and then um, sometimes pulling a card or especially if I get stuck, like there's those Brian Eno cards. I don't know if you know about those um, that are Mm. like meant for creatives and songwriters and they have just sort of like strange suggestions, like that make you think about things in a new way. Like I can't think of any specific examples, but maybe it would just say like, look at it in reverse or something like that. and I was pulling those for a while. And then I was like, I can actually just pull a tarot card and have a similar, um, yes. you know, similar sense of, of like cryptic guidance for this song. And so that's been really fun to pull a card, like, especially when I'm feeling stuck, but also just to kind of like set the, the tone before I even start. Mm-hmm. Was tarot a portal into magical practices? In that yeah, way? For, for sure. You mean like when I was in my twenties, like when I first started, or or at any point, like, um, or or did what you might call magic or what you might call witchcraft enter into your life 
prior to the tarot entering? Yeah, I think prior, um, when I was a kid, I would spend a lot of time at my grandmother's house after my parents got divorced. And sometimes I would spend like most days of the whole summer there. And one year she just decided to go to this school. I don't know exactly what it was, but it was like, she went to the school in the mountains and she came back and had learned about like aromatherapy and Reiki and, um, you know, things about <laughs> Rome, witchy things. And she's started sort of practicing on me and, and playing with them with me. So like we would sit together on the ground face to face with like flower essences, you know, bottles of flower essences between us. And she would put one hand on my knee and then use the other hand uh, to sort of like go over the bottles and feel into intuitively which ones that I needed and make these sort of like custom flower essence tinctures for me or like aromatherapy mixtures. And she would practice Reiki on me. So I think that was really definitely my my first introduction because I understood energy you know like energy work and that you could focus on your intuition and like the tingles in your hands and things like that um which I of course translated into like pulling tarot cards and running my hands over the cards and waiting to feel which one I intuitively needed um so yeah my, my grandmother was definitely my my introduction to like witchcraft even though she didn't call it that at the time now that I'm older I feel like it was definitely that realm yeah mm, that's a really moving memory like visual yeah. yeah it's definitely really special we've lost touch over the years unfortunately but I'm just really grateful for that time and those the gifts that she gave me for sure mm-hmm it was like attuning to what you need let, letting the in, in, her intuitive instincts guide toward what you needed and then giving that to you mm-hmm. and you receiving that it's really beautiful yeah powerful for sure mm-hmm. and so that was a younger memory mm-hmm. yeah and then Tara was definitely my real introduction I just was kind of always pulling tarot cards in my 20s and didn't go beyond that um I would pull for for friends as well um and then I had some weird things happen at like the end of my 20s that kind of messed with my trust in myself and others like I had just a strange sort of betrayal that kind of I I just lost touch with tarot for a while. I felt like I couldn't trust others. I felt like I couldn't trust my own intuition. And so I lost touch for a few years. And that was, I was still good during those years. Um, I was still productive and things like that. But I think I I started to get a little more depressed and a little dark because I just didn't have a strong spiritual connection um, in my late 20s and early 30s. And you know, music has always been that for me as well. So I always had that. And outside of that, though, I just, I felt a little bit lost until I reconnected with the tarot, which I don't, I honestly don't remember exactly what it was that brought me back. Maybe just, I don't know, being drawn to like a certain tarot deck or something like that and ordering it for myself and just, you know, starting again. Um, 
but yeah after i was reading again for a while i was just kind of naturally like wanted to know more about like where the tarot even came from and started reading more books and from there I just you know it just sort of naturally progressed into full-on like realizing that witchcraft was like the path that I really wanted to follow and dedicate myself to and just found so much joy and healing and you know still do on that path so so grateful for that and so grateful that the tarot has always been like it's been my constant friend over the years mm-hmm. yeah you know if that was your late 20s then it was your Saturn return mm, okay that's right I forget about that <laughs> yeah and um because your Saturn is in Scorpio and your son is in Scorpio that was also Saturn over your son which when you think about the significations of Saturn, sometimes bringing a kind of coldness and a drying effect to kind of like suck moisture out of spaces, you know, like, Mm. and the sun being warm and radiant and bright, that it's, that's a lot to have happen at once because you have the Saturn return invitation, which is huge. And then also Saturn on your son, just that's just notorious as a thing that happens every 20, 30 years where it's, it can be a rough period of like really trying to understand what is our radiant light, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to reflect that, that astrologically, that was a, like a kind of double whammy at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think then that with Saturn in Aquarius now, that means now you're in this the square of that, like the 90 degree angle of from your Saturn. And so since December 2020, you may have been like reinvited to certain themes from back then. And like now you can see how you have changed and like grown into yourself. Um, and what ways you do want to grow into yourself more since those times. Um, yeah. And because I know you, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I know that you have been receiving that invitation and answering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, especially with like December 2020 being kind of like the last straw of uh, drinking and getting sober in January of. 2021 that makes sense like that was a pretty big change for me obviously Mm -hmm. yeah one of the major significations for Saturn is sobriety because it's like clear like sober drying you know it's like Mm. let's get let's see things without the haziness you know yeah and we have these Saturn cycles if there's anywhere that we feel that we're like not able to be in our authority because we're on we can't see through our eyes clearly you know then it's it's hard (laughs) but like Saturn is lovingly inviting us to give that to ourselves which you have been doing wow thank you Saturn Thank you, Saturn. <laughs> uh, of course, Saturn's your chart, you know, so. Um, 
<laughs> Saturn loves you and wants you to know that you are your you are your authority. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just was like kind of taken on a little journey then. <laughs> Energetically. <laughs> um, I'm just I was just about to laugh at myself because um I just feel like it's very Scorpio of me that um I just feel like I always sound bored and monotone like Daria or something <laughs> when like underneath <laughs> underneath the surface I'm like so excited about you know the Saturn revelation but I'm just like wow you know <laughs> I just think it's I don't know I just think that's a funny trait about Scorpios or at least how Scorpio manifests in me is that I always feel like there's a lot like roiling just under the surface but my outward expression comes out very like stoic and monotone but <laughs> so you have to you have to exp explain your uh like what's behind <laughs> okay yeah. I was like why aren't you more excited <laughs> I know yeah <laughs> but um no I feel it <laughs> yeah for sure. yeah and then so and then you with being Capricorn rising, I mean, my goodness, um, 2020 was so much for Capricorn risings because there was so much going on in Capricorn that year. Um, yeah. We connected just like kind of one of those configurations where you look back in time and it's like, yep, that was that just that was like it was almost like you were born with 2020 coming in many ways we all were right but mm -hmm. like um with so much going in cap going on in capricorn for those who have significant capricorn placements or capricorn risings um it was just a it was a lot to be invited into and respond to um but yeah it's, it seems like your connection to your magical practices and to symbolic languages has been really helpful to you in that process. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's true. Yeah, definitely. And I remember that I can't think of any specific examples, but I do remember hearing about that a lot in 2020. Like there's just a lot going on in, in Capricorn and, and I definitely was connecting with my Capricorn rising during that time. And I, I think, um, something you just said resonated where I just felt like I was getting called to a lot of things. Like there was just a lot of like, you know, spirit just like knocking on the door of my life being like, it's almost time. Like you gotta, gotta get your shit together. You gotta look at this. You gotta look at that, you know? So yeah, 2020 was definitely like a, a powerful year in uh, more ways than one, even though it was also a difficult year, of course, but it, it uh, called me to a lot of change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned vulture magic, um, which is really about the death process that like life, death and life again process, um, the process of um, letting things die in order for something to come forward, something to emerge that wants to live and to be created. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you can share more about your, like how that sings to you or like how that has spoken to you 
even in terms of like a larger sense of your life and being curious about those themes? Uh, um, I mean, just instantly when you, when you were talking about vulture magic and just sort of like the very visceral, like the eating of the shit that no longer belongs and like this, I don't know, that sort of like composting visual, it just like really resonated with me because it's not just about getting rid of something and throwing it away and never looking at it again. It's about like really, I don't know, chewing on it and like feeling it. And then it gets transformed into Mm. something new and into something that grows what's what is meant to be there. And I don't know, like for me, when I did the vulture magic spread, um, like I said, I was really expecting it to be one thing and what actually came out was how I really needed to like de-internalize the male gaze Mm. and which was just something that I had kind of been thinking about a little bit but hadn't really thought it was like a big problem within me and in doing that spread it was like just very clear (laughs) that it was it was actually like it had a much stronger hold on me than I realized as it does in a lot of us, you know, being in a patriarchal capitalist society. And um, I, I'm trying to think of like, there was something that came out of that that was like, I don't know, it was like about doing some sort of integration that I had about doing the hard work of that vulture magic, about composting, like that taking that like the hard way is actually the beautiful way. I'm not sure if this is something that you said or something that came out of my own uh, experience with the reading. I really can't remember, but I just remember this is kind of what came out was that the beautiful way is usually more difficult, but it's, it just makes it more worth it when you reach the destination because you know that you've put in that work and you feel fulfilled and inspired rather than like, ashamed that you sort of cheated yourself out of the full integration so that so if a beautiful way is hard then the easy way is ugly <laughs> I don't know mm. if I'm making any sense but this is just <laughs> this is just like the strange wisdom that came out of this I don't know this like weird male gaze uh revelation from the vulture magic spread that I had mm-hmm. um and like like maybe the easy way is to like submit to gender norms and to submit to what the patriarchy wants um, someone to be. And yeah, I don't know. The beautiful way is to sort of like rebel and find what truly resonates within you. Um, that was quite a ramble, but I hope it made sense to someone, mm-hmm. to you, to anyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a great thing to want to vulture magic. Uh, uh-huh. Cause it's, it's like the male gaze is everywhere, including inside of ourselves, you know, right? Like, yeah, exactly. It it's, can be so hard to look in the mirror and be like, can I even see myself Yeah, separated from it? You know, yeah, what do I even look like? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Totally. But That's yeah, I just I just love vulture magic, and I've always loved vultures, but now especially when I see them, <laughs> I'm always just like, okay, something needs to be uh, eaten up. You know? What are you telling me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, it's always so exciting to share a spread and then find out what wisdom comes to others, you know, from, from that spread. Cause it like the spread itself has its own magical properties or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so thank you for playing and, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> giving more life to the spread and yeah, thank you for sharing these spreads they're amazing yeah um have you had significant times in your life where you're like oh that was a vulture magic period or that was a period where things wanted to die um whether you even had language for it I mean, I suppose I've always kind of been comfortable with like the birth, death, rebirth, you know, cycle, or as you put it, process um, that happens multiple times in this life. Like I've always been open to change. I like trying new things. I like following my intuition and like where it's leading me and so I guess, yeah, I'm pretty, I, I feel like I've been pretty open to vulture magic, whether I realized it or not. Have you found that as a creative person, not that we aren't all creative, um, mm-hmm. you're a very creative person, you live your creativity. Have you found um, that there are significant like after periods of letting things go um, that the ground feels more fertile for your own creative activity? Well, what instantly comes up for me is sobriety again. um, I knew for a long time that it was like something that I needed to do. And once I did, um, I did it, you know, mindfully, not just like, I didn't want to just do the whole what they call like white knuckling it thing. Um, I really wanted to look at it each day. Like I did the um, Ruby Warrington's 100 day sober curious workbook. Mm-hmm. I think it's called where like each day you have like a writing prompt that kind of makes you look at a different aspect of why you drank, why you're getting sober and so on. And um, yeah, that was just really helpful in, in getting sober mindfully and what, was also very helpful was learning to be creative again um not that I always drank when I was creating but drinking was just like such a big part of I don't know my lifestyle I guess that thinking about not ever having it again seemed weird before I (laughs) before I stopped um and I had a couple of creative projects that I you know like had had to work on um, had to finish right around the time when I got sober. And one of them was 
a side project called Blood Moon with this band Converge, and one of them was a soundtrack for the movie X um, with my friend Tyler Bates. And those were perfect opportunities to learn to, like, I don't know, find that sort of sense of inhibition within myself without needing an outside substance. And that clarity, like the, the thing that I had let go, created this new space for me to really like go deep within and pull something out in a really new way. And the soundtrack especially was perfect because I had to sort of like make a lot of demonic sounding for lack of better words, sounds, you know, like growls and really guttural, like intrinsic dark sounds. And um, it was just like really, really intense, just being alone in my little recording studio, like pulling these sounds out of me and like asking, you know, like the ancients of the shadowy realms to like flow through me in, in a safe way, of course, and and go into these sounds. And um, yeah, like it just made it so much more spiritual to work on something without just having like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, have a drink to loosen up or whatever. Um, yeah, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really loving this growling healing practice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess it was a healing practice. We do a whole practice, workshop so. on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That, someone totally could. That would be amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm. Have you always been like a musician, a, a songwriter, a singer? Yeah. Definitely since I was young, my dad was in a band while I was growing up and he had a home studio where him and his band would practice. And so pretty much like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like from, from a very young age, I was going to see my dad play. And then I remember in like maybe fourth grade or something like that, I, <laughs> for show and tell, had wanted to write a song and record it and like bring it in. And so that was kind of my my first uh, introduction and just found it came really naturally to me. Like, obviously my dad helped me, but just the process of writing a song came really easy to me and I had a lot of fun doing it. So I would like uh, recruit my sister and my stepsister to sing with me and write songs with me and we formed little groups. And from there, I just never really stopped. <clears throat> I think it took a lot more time for me to become like a performer because that, that wasn't as sort of mm. intrinsic and, and natural but just writing lyrics and songs and poems and melodies was always just kind of there how interesting to think about how you can go from like a set of gifts that you practice and then move into the archetype of the performer with them right mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, I should say that actually I chickened out on bringing it into show and tell, but yeah, I think it, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was like meant to be because that started off my whole process of realizing that I could like write and record a song. <laughs> but um, yeah, was there a part of you that just like maybe you could just do that? Can you just do this for me? Like take my. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I chickened out, but, um, so some part of you knew that you weren't going to write for others that you wanted to sing. It was just about getting used to 
um, what that feels like. Would you say that? Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, like over the years, I had enough friends and roommates and people who would just kind of overhear me in my room writing or recording and um, would just encourage me to, to do it. So I started, you know, playing in coffee shops and stuff around my hometown and uh, eventually got, you know, confident enough and felt like it was what I wanted to pursue and, and took, took control of things. But um, yeah, it took me a long time. It was like, you know, not until my early twenties when I started doing that. Mm-hmm. And w- how like where it related to your Saturn return in your late twenties, like, is there a career uh, arc that relates to that period you described in the late twenties or had, like, were you established yeah. by then or did that come later? That's so interesting actually. Yeah. I, I got a pretty late start. So I was around 25, 26 when I put like my first record out officially and it was soon after I don't really want to talk about exactly what happened because it's like I don't know it sounds no maybe trivial <laughs> oh, no no I know not that you're pressuring me but it just may sound like trivial trivial on the outside but I do think that what you're saying is like it's right on because it was like soon after I put out my first record and I had this thing happen where I just realized like you know I was probably like a bit sheltered or something and just kind of realized like oh you can't actually trust everyone (laughs) and like Mm -hmm. you know um you do have to be careful about who you give your energy and your um contracts of sorts in many different ways you know as you Mm -hmm. and I talk about um to people and yeah so pretty soon probably right around that Saturn return time you know I was I was kind of just getting started um yeah, like I said, I got a pretty late start compared to a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the um, it's interesting to think about having Pisces and Scorpio as such powerful archetypes. Like, I think that um, I've had Scorpio dominant folks tell me that they feel so safe around my Pisces because there's this sort of like non-judgmental openness mm-hmm. that the Pisces energy can give the Scorpio energy to mm-hmm. like feel safe to come out or come forward a little more, you know, from the, from the underground cave. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and you have that within you almost, I mean, not almost like you do. Right. Um, like the, a part of you that is connected to that kind of like all trusting oceanic expansive trusting love and another other parts of you that um are like um yeah but this is only for certain people and like i i, I want to like protect myself you know Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if that resonates that like, it's almost like Capricorn as the middle space, you know, between as that earth energy between the two, maybe helping you understand that where like you need a boundary and when there's a wall that doesn't need to be there, you know, and like what, what kind of walls or boundaries or structures do you want to have for your water? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I never really understood my Capricorn rising and 
was just really resonating with like the watery elements of Pisces and Scorpio and kind of like comfortable there. Um, and then I was talking to um, Gabriella Herstic, who's like a, an author, amazing witch, and mm-hmm. I had told her that and she was like, well, maybe that's kind of helped you like get things done, you know? And it totally, and it totally clicked like that is like, I, I have this desire to, uh, even though I can be really watery and really floaty and want to work on things forever, I do have this desire within me to like be responsible to like turn things in on time and, you know, like get, get the thing finished and done. And, and yeah, so I'm just actually really, really grateful for that, (laughs) that Capricorn rising in me. Mm hmm. Yeah, me too. With my moon in Capricorn, um, I feel like it got me through school. It gets gets me through the day. Like mm-hmm. uh, the Pisces part of me, like might forget I have to go pick my kids up from school <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I didn't like set a timer. Which Saturn yeah. Capricorn it rules time. You know the clock. Yeah. Um, it's like <laughs> oh yeah that. I have this other thing on this planet to do. Um, yeah. Capricorn so is so helpful to um, the water parts of us. Yeah. So you're Capricorn moon, right? Mm-hmm. With, oh, the, awesome. with the Pisces sun mm-hmm. and other things. Yeah. What is your uh, rising sign? Aries. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Um which is a very different energy, but I think it's kind of the, the, the part of me that gets into stuff before I'm ready and just kind of goes for it. It's very helpful. Um, yeah, it totally. burns, burns away fear. Yeah. And there's like that fiery, like spark that mm. I can definitely feel coming off of you for sure. Yeah. And you have a lot of Sag fire. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Interesting. Yeah, with your Mercury, Jupiter, these outer planets, Uranus and Neptune, South Node. Um, got a lot of Sag to to draw fire from. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Yeah, I often think of Sagittarius with singing because I think of Sagittarius as like the animated spirit. Um. And like what we want to do with it, this big, buoyant, expansive fire spirit. And me personally, and with a lot of Sagittarian dominant people that I know, it can come through with singing. Um, Yeah. Like giving your, giving that energy, like um, kind of like a torch to ride on or like a, like, like the singing becomes the vehicle for the spirit, you know? Yeah. And like we brought in our chests. It's like very sad, like brought in mm-hmm. our chest to like share what the spirit that we have um, in this form of communication. That's not as grounded and like logic and reason as words are when they're spoken, you know? Yeah, that's cool. I also feel like, um, I don't know, I always think of Sagittarius as like kind of having a lot of different ideas, like bouncing all over the place, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know if that's true, but it, I think that's, that's, that's how I see it. And um, it, it makes me think of like how I love doing brainstorming sessions. Like if I have a new 
project or album or some visual art that I'm going to do. Like, I just, I love like that first initial like brainstorm where you just get all the ideas and sort of see how they start to fit together. And I don't know, that feels Sagittarius to me. Yeah. What is your process for creating a song? How does it usually unfold or is that always different? Um, it's different because there are definitely times when a song will hit you and like you'll write, you know, either the whole thing or like the bulk of it in one go. But I'm definitely like, I love words. I love language. And so I'm constantly just writing words down and like things that I, uh, in ways that I feel like are melodic and will like lend themselves to a song. And so I just have like notes and notes of, of words and lyrics and, um then when I get like a a song idea whether it's just like if I'm playing guitar and something starts to form or I just have like a melody in my head that I want to pursue then I'll bring some of those words in and start to write the rest of it like based on you know whatever sort of theme is there or a story um so uh, I guess um it's like a a collage of sorts Mm. that's beautiful <laughs> thank you for sharing that yeah, have you awesome. been like you're in the middle now of preparing to share new work yes yes I think it's going to be a bit longer than I'd you know expected originally but I do have an album that's finished and going through a ton of wonderful difficult changes um, to present this album to the world in the way that I feel like it deserves. And yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. It's like in the, the, it's having its own little rebirth process, <laughs> to be honest, the album is it's cool. And I imagine um, like hearing the echo of you sharing um, about the beauty of like putting in the work for that. You were saying something like this about your Vulture magic spread. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, um, of course, like, like not cheating yourself out of like feeling the full experience of it and, and putting in the work and like getting those integrations that you may not otherwise, if you just kind of take the easy route or, um, yeah. And I mean, I, I guess I can say that from experience because I, I can tell when I've taken the easy route in the past or when I've really put in the work. And I think I can sense that in other people's work now, obviously, like uh, whether it's like a specific tarot deck um, where you can just really feel like you can just really sense that that person like, um, that's the right word, just put like their heart and soul into it and didn't, give up until they really felt like it was finished and had all of the beauty and joy and shadow and everything that needed to be in it, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess I'm kind of doing that now with this album. Like I thought it was finished. I thought it was going to be released a certain way. And then I just knew deep in my soul <laughs> that it was not the right way for it to be released and it was not finished. So I have sort of, yeah, I'm just uh, 
rebirthing it and like I said in a new way and uh, it's going to take a little longer but I think it'll be worth it in the long run I know it'll be worth it in the long run how do you know when an album is complete or is it never really complete um I think that sometimes you really know like sometimes you're actually like there have been times when I'm really happy with how it is and I feel like it's complete and then there are times when I I kind of just have to let go and let it be what it's meant to be and that's those are usually the times when it's more like a collaboration like if I have a producer involved who's like an outside source um uh and it's kind of like we could go back and forth on this forever or we could kind of just let it be what it is and you know if it's going to have like a bunch of different translations once I start playing it live and things like that anyway. So there's kind of a comfort there, but um, yeah, I'm not really sure I'm answering the question, but I guess sometimes you really know, and sometimes you kind of just have to have faith that it's, it is what it's meant to be. And that that's going to be like the best thing. Do you like to create any associated art? like side by side with the creation of the album or after once you have the whole sense of it? I think I would have liked to do it more side by side maybe, but it usually comes after. And I think the main thing that I've always focused on is trying to make the album cover photo encapsulate like the feeling of the album. Um, and then I've struggled a little bit more in the past with like music videos and things like that, mainly because I was doing a lot of it, um, you know, myself or just with friends and didn't have like all the resources that I would have loved to have to make the visions happen. But um, at least, like I said, with album covers, um, yeah, I just strive to like give it the feeling in one simple photograph because they're usually pretty minimal. Um, I try to sort of like strip away things that don't belong at least for that that album cover photo and just give it this this feeling this emotion this mood that I feel like captures the mood of the album mm -hmm. yeah I imagine it's a pretty incredible moment when you when you feel that you get there yeah definitely <laughs> mm -hmm. um yeah I, I think I'm just laughing because the visual realm has again, but then maybe a bit more of a struggle, just trying to do, you know, music, sound, moods, those things come easily to me in, in the creative world, but uh, visual realm is just like a little bit more, I, yeah, I would love to like collaborate more in the future with, with people who um, understand my vision and can help me bring it to life. Because I feel like there's just a lot more I could explore in that world. And, and I'm proud of what I have done and like the collaborators that I have worked with for sure. Like I've worked with some amazing people and, you know, I'm proud of what I've been able to do on my own with like, you know, just my, my bandmates and stuff. But um, yeah, I just think there's a lot more to explore there. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Collaborating is, that's like some serious work, you know? Yes. Collaborating <laughs> is like collaborating to me brings up all the all the stuff. It just brings everything to the surface. 
It does. And it's a constant healing practice or denial practice, whichever you're up for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, as, as soon as you said that, what I, what came to the surface for me is like, what I've realized more recently is that maybe the reason that it's been a little more difficult is because um, I needed to learn how to communicate more. So that's like something that I'm really working on is trying to be more like direct in my communication style with collaborators. And yeah, I just wasn't, I wasn't very good at that in the past. <laughs> so um, I, yeah. 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 Like really claiming your own vision mm-hmm. may it may like it may be a requirement that it feels difficult or unsavory to some people and it's like getting yes helping the body feel safe bringing those things up with people is like that's some healing work exactly yeah it's funny i've always kind of been okay with like difficult communication when it comes to the music like um in the studio during the mix or whatever like i will fight for what I think is meant to be but when it's something that's not my realm like visual video whatever I feel like I've been a little Mm -hmm. bit more um I hold back on what I really want to say which is not constructive in the end it's not it doesn't really help anyone so I'm unlearning and relearning that right now Mm -hmm. yeah yes yes um in the process of promoting and planning my year-long astrology class with my my co-creator collaborator Jonathan um there was this funny episode where they wanted to do something and I was sort of like that's fine (laughs) they could pick up on me not really being into it (laughs) and they're like what's going on and I said I don't want to be difficult (laughs) they're like I want you to be difficult. Like <laughs> I need you to be difficult for this to be amazing. And it's like, okay. Yes. Like I'm rebirthing myself right now. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Like, I need okay I need you to want you to be difficult. difficult. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that should be like a part of of things now. Like I want you to be difficult. I want you to say the thing mm-hmm. that you want, you know. But that circles us back to the male gaze, really, you know, like mm-hmm. um, it's all part of the same field of ex- of self self like censoring or self um, like holding ourselves back so as to not be displeasing in mm-hmm. that gate some way, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some powerful work. Yeah. It, it's really better for everyone. And it's mm-hmm. so much better for the creative process. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you. <sighs> <laughs> so tell me, tell listeners how they can find your work, um, connect with the things that you're putting out in the world, your creative offerings, all the things? Well, I have a website. It's just chelseawolf.net. And on there, um, you can 
believe you can sign up for my newsletter. I should have double checked that. <laughs> but that's something that I'm trying to get more into. Um, I've been spending less time on social media um, and wanting to kind of connect more directly through a newsletter. So um, I haven't done it quite yet, but it's something that I'm like working towards. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm in a sort of like in between liminal space right now with my work. And as soon as I have all the good news to share, then I'm going to share that through the newsletter. Um, another ramble, sorry. And uh, mm. another place you can find me is on Instagram. Um, it's Chelsea Wolf, but like with two C's and two W's. So like C Chelsea W Wolf. And yeah, that's usually the platform that I share, like what I'm up to most. Mm. Newsletters are um, a really, I think, powerful channel to mm. express oneself. So wishing yeah. you the best. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've been really inspired by yours and a few other people. Um, just, yeah, get really excited when the newsletters come and they always are full of lots of good bits. So thank you. Thank you for coming on, Chelsea. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Chelsea. So loved the languorous, soft, dreamy space that we created together. Really appreciating you and grateful to have you in my life. Thank you for talking magic with me and sharing yourself. For listeners, I will include links so that you can connect with Chelsea and her work. If you are thinking about or interested in working some vulture magic with me, there are many ways to do this. The most um, inexpensive way <laughs> would probably be buying the Scorpio workbook because it itself is a very, very rich, extensive journey um, that you can do solo. It's like I've heard my clients joke that um, it's how to work with me like any time you want. <laughs> um, I have one-on-one containers where we get really, really personal and we get really specific and unique to where you are and what is dying and what is emerging for you, which you can check out at my website. And then right now I'm currently opening a new learning container called Cave Space, greeting yourself where fear meets desire. I call it that subtitle because we're often afraid. 
like terror, fear is extremely um, normative in readings with me or one-on-one time with me because there's this fear to name what you want. There's this fear of being seen. There's this fear of taking up more space for yourself. There's, there's a lot of really great reasons why we're afraid to go into ourselves. While we're, while we're afraid of like potent vulture magic. And also there's desire. Like we want it. We want to be seduced by ourselves. We want to be seduced by our own bravery. We want to be seduced by our own voice. We want to feel what it's like to emerge out of these skins that are too tight. We want to discover who we are when we slither out bigger and shinier. The shedding process is for growth. The death process is for more creativity and more pleasure. Something that came to me in the last year that you may have heard me to say before is feeling more means feeling more. And (laughs) this was like a shock to me when I realized this, but the idea with feeling more is feeling more is like, I think I always thought that at some point I got to, would get to a point in my healing where I was like, I guess there's no more pain or like, looks like I'm done with my grief now. (laughs) And what I've been realizing is like, the more access I have to feeling my grief, the more I also feel love and pleasure and joy and transcendence and wonder. And that the more I feel wonder and love and transcendence and pleasure and just like receiving so much more than I ever could have imagined in my younger self body, but there's more grief. There's more grief. New layers. New layers that I shudder inside. New layers of shame that I had compacted down and in there. This is not a problem, as I like to joke. <laughs> this is not a problem. Feeling more means feeling more. And cave space, to me, is about honoring the bravery of retreat in order to access some of those darker, deeper places so that other parts of us can feel more expansive and wide with the things that we want to be able to receive, but we may be afraid to. So cave space is really, really, really special because I just know a lot of people who are excellent and skilled at underworld journeying And most of these are people from my client and student community. My favorite teachers, my favorite healers, my favorite astrologers are from my community. I just do, y'all, I just do attract badass people. People come into my community because they are ready to see how magical they are. They are ready to be blown away by themselves. They are ready to be seduced by their own magic. 
That's like the thing, the common denominator of what draws people to me. And so I just get to be continually floored by the people that I attract, people like Chelsea Wolf. So feeling more means feeling more. I'm feeling like, whoa, in deep uh, wonder, gratitude. <sighs> so many feelings that I reached out to different people that I love and just said, hey, I'm doing this new offering. It's called Cave Space. Uh, I think from you, from you, I would really like to receive something like this, fill in the blank, me knowing like there was something ready to be channeled by them. Something to be channeled and created and given to you, the people, the person who signs up. I just had this feeling for each person. I reached out to them. I asked and everyone said yes. And everyone has shown up. And it's just like this totally expansive thing because it's like they're doing it for me. They're doing it for themselves. They're doing it for you. And most of all, they're doing it in like just just the most expansive love and gratitude for their tools, for their gifts, and for their guides. And they're doing it from a place of humility because they cannot believe the journey they've walked in this life and they're coming into a moment where they can share something with you. And be so fucking proud of it. So like, I'm just blown away. I'm going to be doing teachings in Cave Space 2. And I'm playing curator. I'm playing host of the party. And I've brought these people to you. Who you are like meant to be connected with. That's how I feel about it. The people who come to participate in this container are going to be introduced to people that they like needed to get connected to. Why? I have enough evidence. This is what happens in my containers. <laughs> it's just what happens. Like, I'll let me connect you to the person you want a reading from. Let me connect you to someone whose work you want to support. Let me connect you to this like reciprocity. Let us take care of you. Let us hold you. Let us be there for you. You walk the underworld journey alone. And you're not alone. We are here to show you how you're not alone. We want you to trust us. We want you to come explore. Bring your curiosity. It's no problem at all if you're skeptical. It's no problem at all if you're scared. It's no problem at all if you're not so sure about this. <laughs> But if you're resonating, that's your voice talking to you. That's your body talking to you. You don't even need actually a logical reason. You don't need to figure out how you're going to have the capacity to do it even. You just will have the capacity. We have capacity for what we resonate with, especially when we listen. So now's the time because Scorpio's here. I'm inviting you in. Come play, come be nourished, come feel held, come be inspired, come drop in, drop into my cave space, build your cave space, 
will resonate together. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Moon to Moon. If you haven't ever left a review, I hope you will just do one real quick right now. It is so fun to get a review. I just, it just like makes my week. It's so fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a beautiful, beautiful Scorpio season.